Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Yes, it is. And joining me for it, when I asked him if he had his show notes, he said, yes, I got them. The Dark Knight of Podcasting, Mark Searby, hello. Hello. (laughs) You're wearing your superhero cape for this one. I'm wearing my spandex. Smells of span- uh, my uh, my special uh, cowl and uh, outfit uh, made specially of spandex. Um, yes, I thought you wore that every day. Oh well, well, you know, is that is that for special occasions? Just, just uh, Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays, <laughs> and then you know, if you go into the new week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday as well. So yes, it's just it's, it's an everyday clothes, you know. I mean, it's tough to yeah, get it. into. It's tough to get into and to get out of. I'll say that. Even tougher to get out of. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, they ne- they never show that in the Batman films, do they? They never show him. Uh, no, they don't, do they? No, no. They show him putting never... like, the gloves on and the cowl, and that's about it, yeah. isn't it? It's, you know, um... Undignified bit in the changing room where he's like, oh, I can't get this goddamn face uh, Alfred, the... Alfred, come on. It's pull, all riding up for pull Alfred. Pull the leg. Pull, yeah, my right leg. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, pull. Yeah, uh, I don't think that... Alfred, that's, the... that's not my leg. Yeah. <laughs> that's the non-glamour, isn't it, of being Batman, um, trying to get that. Yeah. Uh, outfit off, I guess. I want to see the outtake. There must be. It must have happened. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. But you know, yeah, look. Yeah. Ultimately, that's one small downside. There are lots of upsides to being Batman. I think, anyway. I think you know, because you're talking to a person who Batman is their favourite comic book character of all time. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay. You From are, a very you young age, fan. And then when I worked in Central London for a long amount of years. Um, I worked above a comic book shop, very popular comic book shop. So when I got paid, oh, wow. I would go down there and just buy co- uh, Batman comics or graphic novels or DVDs or, you know, whatever <laughs> it was. So uh, I've read a lot. I've seen a lot. Um, yeah. The dream. Yeah, well, sort of, sort of, but you know, Hey, so, I mean, that's why I'm kind of like, we should really talk about this new film because I've got a lot of knowledge about it. Um, Here we are, strap it. You are the commissioner. I, I am one. Commissioner Gordon. I mean, I've got the goatee rather than the the, the mustache, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. I thought you, I thought you might have grown a moustache this week, just for that. Just for just, that? No, yeah. no. Yeah. Unfortunately, not. No. no. Um, so not. yeah, I've got a lot of history with Batman. Um, as I said, you know, a lot of it's good. Some of it's been pretty poor. Let's be honest. Uh, George Clooney. I won't say Ben Affleck was poor. I would say the films were poor. Um, you know. Yeah, he didn't have the same. I don't think he had the same opportunities, did he? Really? Not really. No. Um, but yeah. I, you know, I like the fact that with Ben Affleck, it was kind of older Batman. You know, going to the comics, it was sort of broken Bat, really. Um, whereas all of the others have sort of been, you know, mid-age range, sort of. You know, you obviously think about Christian Bale, um, George Clooney, Michael Keaton, maybe something like that. But with the Batman, because obviously that's what this new one is called, the Batman. Um, this Batman. is this is a different one. This is a different version of Batman than we've seen, really. I mean, I think probably the closest it gets is maybe the early moments in Batman Begins, you know. Whereas, okay, uh, yeah. And then obviously that the Nolan trilogy sort of spins off and we know who Batman is. But with this one... It is different. It's really different. But then, you know, the question is, how do you reboot Batman and make it seem fresh? That's the problem that Matt Reeves as a director has, well, had. It's a bit like Spider-Man in that it's been done a lot. So you've got to do something. 
and you know, you, you kind of sit there going, "Ah, oh, please, please don't show the parents killing because we, we've seen it a million times. We, we know, <laughs> yeah. we, you know, that's the thing. This one the piles fall on the floor. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. This right. one is taking the character back to a very young Batman. Um, he's it basically when it when it first starts. He's a young vigilante who's been dishing out justice for about two years. It is mentioned early on, you know, he's only been Batman for about two years. So we have a very raw Batman. He's a guy who's still trying to find his way in the city and also where he himself fits in with the city as well. And it's such an interesting Mm. idea to take it back to young Bat. And I think it works really well. You know, it's sort of, as I said, it sort of invokes... Batman begins. You know, you've sort of got like this coming of age story for Batman. Mm. Um, it's which we've it, never really had before. We we right? haven't. You know, as I said, we sort of touched upon it in Batman Begins, um, but it's never really been mentioned previously. I mean, it has in the comics and you know everything else like that, but not on screen. So this is very much a different Batman than previous versions. So much so that this is a Batman who does kill, and the film isn't afraid to show it. In fact. The film is very gung-ho with its bloodthirsty action. I think it is probably the nastiest Batman feature film there has been to date. It is worth noting. It's rated 15 by the BBFC. I think that's right. I absolutely think that's right. There are several key moments in the film where the Riddler uses traps that would not be out of place in a Saw film. Um, (laughs) Okay. Yeah. there's A bit darker. Yeah, I mean, it turned up and I was like, oh, wow, okay. (laughs) There's a lot of gunplay in this. There is a lot of confrontational violence as well. So as I said, very different Batman, very different. Um, You know, and I think as part of that is because of the performance by Robert Patterson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. It's a very 90s Batman. It's very emo Batman. Okay. Um, oh yeah, I thought he would be. He likes a bit of emo. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. So, so lots of moodiness, lots of sullenness, yeah. <laughs> lots of grunting as well. Um, but what I did like as well is the fact that the the gruff Batman voice has sort of gone and been replaced with just looks and gestures. Um, it, it's a Batman. So he's not what gone say? deeper than Christian Bale then. No, 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 no. I was a bit worried we were going to go. No, that's the good thing. That's the good thing. No, I mean, there is a little bit of a gruff voice, but it's not loads. And I I really appreciate that because, you know, it got to be a bit of a joke, didn't it? It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's interesting because Robert Pattinson gives us a Batman that we should root for, but we're unsure about as well. That is quite the conundrum when you're talking about a character who millions of people love. I'm really impressed with this incarnation of Batman. I think it's a very different take, and I think it's one that works as well. Uh, I thought Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman was great. Uh, Colin Farrell as the Penguin is channeling Robert De Niro, uh, his performance from The Untouchables in there. Oh, nice. Figuratively okay. and literally, actually, um, which is no bad thing at all, I've got to yeah. say. Uh, John Trotro as Carmine Falcone, great casting. He plays a good bad guy, I think, John Trotro. Um, You know, uh, however, as much as I love all of those in this film, it's Paul Dano as the Riddler that really got me. It's dark, really dark. Like, you know, 
if anybody remembers the film from several years ago, Prisoners, which was directed uh, by Denis Villeneuve, uh, starring Hugh Jackman, and Paul Dano was like the bad guy in it. Well, this is kind of like the follow on from this. Uh, from that performance, basically. It's dark. It's really frightening. It's an outstanding performance. And once again, a very different take on such a well-known character. Um, he doesn't look like anything like Jim Carrey. There's no... I can't see any green. There's, there's no question marks or anything <laughs> yeah. else like that yeah. on the outfit. No, this is, as I said, very different. Very scary. Um, it, yeah, I was... I genuinely sat there thinking, this is some terrifying stuff. Um, wow. You know, I think, do you know, the probably the most interesting aspect for me of this film is that it doesn't take its lead from any of the previous Batman films or any of the recent superhero movies that have made, you know, a billion dollars or anything else like that. What it actually does is it takes Batman back to what Batman always was originally and kind of always really should be. And it's kind of been lost over the years, which is. He's a detective. That's oh yeah. That's yeah. it. You know, he can't fly. He doesn't have superpowers or anything else like that. Yes, he's got loads of money, so he can buy all the gadgets and gizmos and whatever. But plain and simple, Batman is a detective. That's it. When you think back to the TV show, like when he used to wear the light grey and run around with Robin. Yes. In the eighties, that felt that was kind of like more detective-y, wasn't it? Yes, that's, absolutely. That's kind of where it came from. Yeah, and yeah. then it sort of switched it up a bit, um, and I think they realised that actually we're going to have to go bigger. Which is no, no problem with that. You know, Keaton made it bigger, Bale made it bigger. Um, I, I like Val Kilmer as well in it. Uh, George Clooney, not so much. But you know, yeah. Batman is a detective. That's the thing. So this film, The Batman is a proper crime film that feels like it, hu- uh, it owes a huge debt of gratitude to David Fincher's work, Seven, but most especially Zodiac. All the way through, I was watching this thinking, this, <laughs> this is Zodiac. This is, I mean, yeah. for me, Zodiac is one of Fincher's best films of all time. Um, it's, it's an amazing piece of work. So I like the fact that it's going, we're going to use real crime films like that, um, that are dark and nasty. And we're going to put it into this comic book character. So, you know, there is some excellent action sequences in this. Uh, There's a really good Batmobile car chase about halfway through that. I was like, this is good stuff. Um, Yeah, Fast and Furious. Well, not so much, (laughs) not so much. Um, But this is a Batman film that is more grisly than we've ever seen. It is a crime film above anything else it, and, and also it's an excellent one at that yeah so riddle me this it's worth going for yeah ab- absolutely absolutely and <laughs> yeah. you know I, i'm excited to see it again because there was bits in there where i was just like wow they're really going here wow okay as i said <laughs> it's a 15 and I, i'll be honest for me it would be a mid-level maybe top end 15 as well they're growing up, these kids. They are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so they've gone big. They've got loads of characters in this then that are, that, you know, we already know, felt like we've seen before. Yes. Um, they, they've, have they got room to kind of add in others if they do another one or a sequel? Well, that's going to spoil how the film comes out if I answer that. Okay. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I'll say this. I hope they, I hope Matt Reeves is given the opportunity to make more Batman movies because based on this one alone, he's taking the yeah. character somewhere completely different that we've not seen on the big screen. 
And as we discussed at the start, I don't think Robert Patterson has got that outfit off yet. No, probably so. not. Probably not. No. <laughs> Amazing. So the Batman, it's in the set of ours now. It is. And will be for some time, presumably. I, I'm guessing so, yes. Do you still need to wear a face mask when you go to the cinema? Just thinking this would be a great opportunity. Do you know, I, I do mask. feel like Warner Brothers have missed a trick by not issuing, you know, uh, Batman <laughs> face masks. Uh, yeah. You know, you could charge £10 or something. It'd be a Batman face. That's kind of cool. I feel like they've missed a trick there. I've got to be honest. Yeah. I've always wanted to go out in public wearing my Batman mask. There you go, you see. And that's the perfect this reason. Excuse. The perfect reason. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I saw it earlier this week and I wore a face mask. If I'd have thought about it, I could have got a Batman one. But I didn't. Oh, I was disappointed yeah, with myself. Disappointed yeah, you know. I know, I know. No. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on, Mark. Oh, did I did there? Yes, I did. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. What, what film you got next? Uh, come on, come on. Oh, oh, look at that. Oh. <laughs> So, come on. Out on DVD and Blu ray now is a film called Come On, Come On, which is um, the story about uh, a radio journalist who embarks on a cross country trip with his energetic nephew to show him life away from Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Road trip film? Yeah, this is a really intriguing film, especially the way it's shot. It's in black and white, but it's rather muted visually. Everything's very soft. It you know normally with a black and white movie it stands out in these days anyway it stands out mm. this one doesn't it's it, as I said it's very soft it's all very muted it's kind of a relaxed view it's a relaxed cinematography so yeah, okay this so you know if you're not having that it has to be left to the storytelling to really get your attention I think this film does that very well because here we have Johnny he's the radio journalist who likes to interview kids and teenagers about their lives and what they think about the future. He's got no responsibilities except for his job. So when he has to look after his nephew for several days, it's a sharp shock to him. Let's say that he does not know <laughs> how to talk to kids for any prolonged period of time. And it doesn't help that his nephew, Jesse, is hyperactive as well. So Johnny is on this journey of discovery himself. He... Yeah has to uh, you know he really has to reach into himself and find what he needs in order to take control of the situation that he's been put in um i do think it helps that johnny is a very likable character from the start you know as i said he's got no big uh things in his life he he, he seems to enjoy his life a lot so you, you do care for him and what he's going through and also what he's trying to understand about himself and his life. There are lots of funny moments in this film. I, I found myself laughing at Jesse quite a lot, especially when um, he's got Johnny on the back foot in terms of him being the guardian for the trip. He likes to joke at his expense and do things that Johnny has no clue how to handle. There's a lot to like about Jesse as a character. And I think that comes from the very real performance by Woody Norman, who this is his first ever film. You know, he's, oh, wow. he's not even 10 yet. First <laughs> ever Love film. It. Absolutely fantastic performance. Do you know what? It felt like I was watching a documentary, actually, with the performances here. Um, it's, wow. yeah, rather than a feature film, it felt like a documentary. You know, I, that's Brilliant. one of the highest accolades I can give at both Woody Norman and Joaquin Phoenix uh, because they're so natural in the lead roles. You wouldn't think that this was a scripted feature film at all. You would think it's yeah. a fly-on-the-wall documentary. And also, I should say this, you know, going back to the Woody Norman thing, it's nice to see 
a child performer give a performance of a child instead of trying to be all grown up and over the top and, you know, it being written by adults who think this is what children speak like. Yeah. It's a child's performance by a child that is a child. That's the thing. I know that sounds weird, but trust me, there are loads of films. Yeah, there's loads of films out there that you watch and you go, this is not how a child behaves at all. (laughs) That's what I like about it. I like Woody Norman in this. I think he's great. I think he's got a big career ahead of him. I really do. Um, I like the film in general anyway. You know, there's a couple of subplots in here that I didn't really care for, you know, and felt like it wasn't offering too much. I've got to be honest. But aside from that, I thought this was really entertaining and I thought it was quite heartwarming as well. Yeah, oh, lovely. There's, in the trailer, it's, it mentions all these people have said it makes you feel this and they feel this. It sounds like a real emotional rollercoaster. It is. It is. And... You don't think it will be. As I said, it feels like it's a documentary. You, f- you just feel mm. like you're watching these two people go on this road trip. And it's fun. And there'll be tears yes. shed as well. Oh, I'll get the tissues ready. Yeah, you should. You should. Another varied performance as well from Jackie and Phoenix. As who, always. Uh, you know, We have seen previously as a Joker. Yeah, that's true. Yes, you know, I mean, there's a guy who um, doesn't... You know, he doesn't take the easy route in anything. No, something different. So come on, come on. Is uh, you can come on and see it in cinema. No DVD and Blu-ray or... now. Oh, DVD. Yes, I, DVD. you know it's well worth seeing. As I said, Waking Phoenix is really good, but Woody Norman is great in this. Great, brilliant. What have we got as a podcast extra, Mark? Uh, so I thought we should talk about Ali and Ava because this is a British film that uh, been getting a lot of press, and I think it deserves talking about. Uh, it is about two people called Ali and Ava. They are both lonely for different reasons. They eventually meet and sparks fly. Over a lunar month, a deep connection begins to grow despite the legacy of Ava's past relationship and the breakdown of Ali's marriage. So, oh, okay. So, as I said, British film shot in Bradford deals with interracial relationships in an area of England that I think is probably very territorial in terms of who goes where and who speaks to whom and especially who dates who as well. You know, it's a movie that tackles racism with love and a little bit of lust as well. I've got to be honest. Um, You know, it's, it's, um, it's just a bag full of humor. Really? That's the thing because both Ali and Ava are interesting characters and their lives wouldn't ordinarily cross except for a little girl who Ava looks after uh, in her school class. She's the daughter of Ali's tenants um, in one of his houses. So it is the most minuscule of chances that they would meet. And yet the (laughs) film throws them together in a non-typical romance way. From there, this relationship develops and we watch it get better. And Ali is very forward. He's very confident. He's also very funny as well. But inside, you can see him. He's hurting because his marriage is falling apart. But he still has to live with his wife. This side of the story is humour laced with emotion. Okay? Okay, yeah. yeah. Whereas Ava's storyline is emotion laced with humour. She's got her son from a previous relationship who is still living with her. He does not like Ali at all. Um, in fact, there's a scene um, that gets quite violent in nature when they do confront uh, do confront each other. Also, it's it's 
a little bit funny in a weird way. Like when I saw it, <laughs> you felt how confrontational it was, but yeah. then there's a bit of strange humour in it. And that joke continues to ripple through the film thanks to Ali making a joke of it rather than just letting it hang in the air and ruining ruining the relationship with Ava as well. But that, that storyline, all of that comes about because of racism, basically. Mm. Because of um, you know the the idea that uh, these two older people should not be together based on their skin color. They're different, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. uh, when in actual fact, it, it it doesn't matter about that. It matters Clearly, that they are they connect. They connect. Yes, way. you're right. Yeah. They connect, and they're they're falling in love. I like the fact that this film approaches a romance story from two people who have been and or are still broken apart by love. You know, both of them are at very low ebbs, yet they find solace in one another. I mean, obviously the film is heavy on the racism. Um, and it is the type of modern day, you know, it's the type of modern day story that I think needs to be shown as well, is that it's time, you know, that these barriers need to be gone. It's absolutely ridiculous mm. because this is... You know, this this is a movie where love is love, and anybody who's going to oppose it be damned, basically, because yeah. these two people have found yeah. each other, and I think it's a wonderful way of putting a message across in a very emotional way, in a very forthright way, but also in a very tender way, where you can't help but like both of the characters, but the people who are surrounding them and trying to push them apart. You do hate, but those people are coming from the real world. They're all coming from the real world. That's the thing. Yeah. And this is this is a film that's showing this. Um, I've got to say that the, the reason this film really works is because of the the two main actors in this. So Adil Akhtar um, and Claire Rushbrook as Ali and Ava are just a joy to watch. I mean, I just Fantastic. so natural together. They really are. I could have watched them two just together, just watching the TV. You know, <laughs> like, you know, kind of a bit like Gogglebox or something because yeah. it's, it's so much fun. Ali is a good, fun guy. Um, I mean, I love Adil Akhtar. I think he's a great actor who is oh, finally, finally getting some just desserts. Um, yes. You know, I think he's going to be the next one to pop over to Hollywood. I've got to be honest. Claire Rushbrook, who I think is just wonderful in this movie, just really down to earth. Um, you know, bravo to the, those two actors. Um, also, bravo to writer-director Cleo Barnard for making this movie such a heartwarming piece of work. It's it's a real delight from start to finish, even though it is tackling that subject of you know, racism, interracial relationships in such a very heavy-handed way. You still come away feeling uplifted. Beautiful. It really feels like a kind of a, a sort of modern take on like the Romeo and Juliet story. Not only you got the racism element, but you got, I mean, the age of the two characters seems like quite a modern yeah, yeah. Um, side to it. Yeah, I mean, we older, should say that, families. yeah, you know, we should say that Ali and Ava are certainly in their 40s, maybe older, um, and as I said, they've, they've both fallen in love and fallen out of love and been burnt and are just trying to get on with their lives. And love comes and hits them in the face when they're least expecting it. Yeah. Lovely. Excellent. So where, where, when? So this set? is in cinemas now. Um, and it is, you know, if you're after something a bit more emotional, this is the one. It's, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. 
Excellent. Marvellous. Mark, uh, what you got for us next week? So next week we're going to be talking about uh, a film that's been talked about quietly in award in terms of awards uh, contender, Red Rocket. It's an American movie. Ooh. We're also going to be talking about uh, the latest Pixar movie, Turning Red. And then we are hopefully going to be talking about the new Ryan Reynolds movie, The Adam Project. Oh, excellent. I'm Lots sli- of red. Do you know what? I'm slightly disappointed it's not like The Red Project or something. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I was hoping for a red themed. I thought, hello, Red Notice 2. Is he going yeah, there? Uh, no. No. That would have been ideal. Slightly disappointed. <laughs> maybe we'll get rid of The Adam Project and maybe we'll find a film that's coming out that's also got red in the title uh, just so it's a red week, you know. If you know of a movie that's out next week and it's got red in the title, let us know. Yeah, as as long as it's not Red Rocket or Turning Red, because we're going to do those. Anything else, let us know. We'll cover it just so it's a red week. (laughs) I look forward to, uh, to, to hearing your thoughts about red films next week. Red or dead? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's such a, that's, Again, that's such a shame. It's so old. What a shame. I just thought about it. Oh, well, never mind. Never mind. Well, we can... for Red October. Yeah, oh, still yeah. hunting. Still hunting. Yes, yes. Oh, we could go on forever now. We really could. <laughs> Film reviews and movie news with Stuart Pink and Mark Searby. Thanks for listening to Film Reviews and Movie News. We've been doing this little podcast for years now. Mark has watched and expertly reviewed hundreds of films and I've made hundreds of terrible jokes. They're all available to listen to again if you subscribe to the Film Reviews and Movie News podcast. It's freely available wherever you get your podcasts from or you can find all the latest episodes and everything else I do online at stuartpink.com.